Welcome to the Daily Bite. I'm your host, Pastor Steve Andrews. Today we are in Deuteronomy chapter 33. This is the blessing with which Moses, the man of God, blessed the people of Israel before his death. He said, Yahweh came from Sinai and dawned from Seir upon us. He shone forth from Mount Paran. He came from the ten thousands of holy ones with flaming fire at his right hand. Yes, he loved his people. All his holy ones were in his hand. So they followed in your steps, receiving direction from you when Moses commanded us a law as a possession for the assembly of Jacob. Thus Yahweh became king in Jeshurun, when the heads of the people were gathered all the tribes of Israel together. Let Reuben live and not die, but let his men be few. And this he said of Judah, Hear, O Yahweh, the voice of Judah, and bring him into his people with your hands. Contend for him and be a help against his adversaries. And of Levi, he said, Give to Levi your Thummim and your Urim to your godly one whom you tested at Massa, with whom you quarreled at the waters of Meribah, who said of his father and mother, I regard them not. He disowned his brothers and ignored his children, for they observed your word and kept your covenant. They shall teach Jacob your rules and Israel your law. They shall put incense before you and whole burnt offerings on your altar. Bless, O Yahweh, his substance and accept the work of his hands. Crush the loins of his adversaries, of those who hate him, that they rise not again. Of Benjamin, he said, The beloved of Yahweh dwells in safety. The high God surrounds him all day long and dwells between his shoulders. And of Joseph, he said, Blessed by Yahweh be his land, with the choicest gifts of heaven above, and of the deep that crouches beneath, with the choicest fruits of the sun and the rich yield of the months with the finest produce of the ancient mountains and the abundance of the everlasting hills, with the best gifts of the earth and its fullness and the favor of him who dwells in the bush. May these rest on the head of Joseph, on the pate of him who is prince among his brothers. A firstborn bull, he has majesty, and his horns are the horns of a wild ox. With them he shall gore the peoples, all of them to the ends of the earth. They are the ten thousands of Ephraim, and they are the ten thousands of Manasseh. And of Zebulun he said, Rejoice, Zebulun, in your going out, and Issachar in your tents. They shall call peoples to their mountain, and there they offer right sacrifices, for they draw from the abundance of the seas and the hidden treasures of the sand. And of Gad he said, Blessed be he who enlarges Gad. Gad crouches like a lion. He tears off arm and scalp. He chose the best of the land for himself, for there commander's portion was reserved, and he came with the heads of the people. With Israel he executed the justice of Yahweh, and his judgments for Israel. And of Dan he said, Dan is a lion's cub that leaps from Bashan. And of Naphtali he said, O Naphtali, sated with favor, and full of the blessing of Yahweh, possess the lake of the south. And of Asher he said, Most blessed of sons be Asher. Let him be the favorite of his brothers, and let him dip his foot in oil. Your bars shall be iron and bronze, and as your days, so shall your strength be. There is none like God, O Jeshurun, who rides through the heavens to your help, through the skies in his majesty. The eternal God is your dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. 
and he thrust out the enemy before you and said, Destroy. So Israel lived in safety. Jacob lived alone in a land of grain and wine whose heavens drop down dew. Happy are you, O Israel, who is like you, a people saved by Yahweh, the shield of your help and the sword of your triumph. Your enemies shall come fawning to you, and you shall tread upon their backs. This is the word of the Lord. So the text starts with Moses uh, speaking a blessing. Really, that's the entire chapter. Moses speaking this blessing upon the tribes of Israel. His intention here is to encourage them towards faithfulness rather than the apostasy, the the leaving of the faith, the abandoning of God that, that has been predicted coming already both by God and also now in that song of chapter 32. A question for our children here as we talk about a blessing is, when do you hear blessings? One of the first ones that could come to mind would be at the end of a church service as the pastor will stand and speak the Aaronic benediction, the what Aaron, the brother of Moses, spoke over God's people in the book of Numbers. It's a very well-known one, the Lord bless you and keep you. There are other blessings that we put in play in the, in the church and also families can make use of as well. So see what you can think of there. As we move into the blessing itself, we again are going to see it start with who God is, what God has done for them. A lot of the area around their Exodus wilderness wandering is going to be mentioned in that first verse, verse 2. Uh, Sinai is the mountain where they camped and God gave the Ten Commandments. Seir is northeast of there. It's by the Salt Sea. Uh, Mount Paran is in the western part of the Sinai Peninsula. So in all that stretch between the Promised Land in the northeast and then down ex, uh, Egypt, where they exited in the Exodus, uh, Egypt in the southwest, that stretch of land in between is what's being covered there. And really, the next few verses are an Exodus account. We hear of angels, the thousands of holy ones. We hear of miracles. We, we hear of God becoming their king. This is something that will change in a few hundred years when they cast God off from being their king and demand a human to be their king. You'll get to that point in the book of Samuel. Now, they're called Jeshurun again. We saw that word in chapter 32 in the song of, of Moses. Jeshurun is upright in Hebrew. So it was uh, first a, an adjective describing God. Now it is an adjective uh, that is being used actually as a proper name over the Israelites, that they are Jeshurun, and God is their king. As we move into the actual individual tribes, before we start that, a good question for our, our kids. How many of the sons of Israel can you name? Not just our kids, adults too. How many of the sons of Israel, the 12 tribes, how many can you name? This is going to name many of them, but I'm going to go through them here for you in order real quick. We have Reuben, Simeon, Levi, and then Judah. Those are the sons born to Leah first. And then Dan and Naphtali were born to Bilhah, uh, Rachel's servant. And then we get Gad and Asher from Zilpah, Leah's servant. Then Leah bears again, and she has Issachar and Zebulun, and she also has a daughter named Dinah. And then Rachel finally uh, is able to have children. She has Joseph and Benjamin. She dies giving birth to Benjamin. So those are the 12 sons of Jacob. The firstborn, Reuben, should have inherited everything, and the greatest blessing should have fallen upon him here, but it doesn't because 
as Moses doesn't get to see the promised land for a specific sin, we have that with Reuben as well. The inheritance skips over the firstborn son of Jacob because of what he did in Genesis 35, where instead of waiting for his father's death, where all of his father's things would have become his, he rushes ahead of that and decides to take his father's wife as his own, uh, which is something he, he definitely should not have done. Then Simeon and Levi are skipped as well for what happens in Genesis 34 as they um, seek vengeance. They, they really do some foul trickery to avenge uh, a, a very bad wrong done to their sister Dinah. So Judah then, the fourth son, is the one who comes into play as the, the heir, the one who inherits all things, including the lineage of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Judah, on his part, uh, notably protects Benjamin as the brothers are going down to Egypt for grain. And Joseph wanted Benjamin to stay behind. As we get to the account of Levi, Levi is the priestly tribe. And so we're going to see those things in their, their description. They are going to be the teachers of the law. They're going to be the priests who do the incense. They're going to do the burnt offerings for the sacrifices for forgiveness. We have the idea of the Thummim and the Urim. Those are the two stones that were housed in the breastplate of the high priest. Those stones would be used for the casting of lots, which is an Old Testament custom. We only see it really at the very beginning of the book of Acts, if you're talking the New Testament. They cast lots to decide who will replace Judas Iscariot as the final uh, of the 12 apostles. That would be Matthias. After that, the casting of lots disappears from God's people. So it's one of those mysterious Old Testament objects, almost like the Ark of the Covenant. It was used, it had its purpose, and suddenly it's gone and it's no more. The Holy Spirit and Pentecost is the connection for the, the disappearance of the casting of lots from among God's people. It's no longer necessary because the Spirit is now with us here on the earth. The next two tribes mentioned are the two favorites, as Jacob certainly favored the children of Rachel, his beloved bride. Uh, so we have Benjamin and Joseph. Just kind of skipping ahead a little here. Dan is a lion's cub. The shortest note went to Dan, so I wanted to comment on it. He's small, fierce. Let me think of a lion's cub. Leaps from Bashan. That was part of the land that was outside of the promised land. As you remember, the Israelites were approaching. They were going to take the promised land. Two and a half tribes asked to remain on the east of the Jordan River. Um, Dan is not one of those tribes, but Bashan is in that place where those tribes remained. So an interesting connection between the tribes of, of God's people. Down in Asher uh, is the final one. And then after Asher, we move into a, a closing. Just as we had an introduction to this blessing, we have a closing as well. There is none like God, O Jeshurun. So once again, Israel, instead of being called Israel right there, is called Jeshurun. They're being called to be upright uh, before the Lord. The next part of verse 26, God riding through the heavens, through the skies in his majesty. The Israelites were well familiar with the pillar of cloud and fire. They saw it every day. They see God's presence among them. So they know this. Verse 27 encourages them, though, not to seek their hope in the promised land, but instead to put it in the Lord. It is not the place of milk and honey, which are both delightful things for them. It is God himself who will provide. It is God himself who will be their shelter all the time. 
And lastly, as we look to the very end of the chapter, uh, good note, God is the shield of your help and the sword of your triumph. If you picture a, a soldier, he's got the, the shield on one arm and he's got a sword in his other hand. It's his weapon with the sword. It's his defense with the shield. God is both of these things for us. He is our weapon. He is our defense. He protects us from the devil. He fights for us and before us against the, the adversary. Wonderful picture. And actually, we get both of these pictured for us elsewhere in the scriptures. God is often defined as being our shield and the sword. When we talk about Jesus later, Jesus will call the sword uh, God's word, living and active, a two-edged sword. The last note here has a wonderful connection to Palm Sunday. Your enemies shall come fawning to you. You shall tread upon their backs. This is the picture of military conquest. It was very culturally customed in that era of history that when you defeated an enemy, you would ride into town on a horse. Your leader would ride a horse into town, and the people of the town that had been conquered would lay on, their, on the ground, and the, the horse or the leader here would be walking over their backs. Uh, very painful sounding to think of a horse actually stepping on someone. Um, Jesus does this on Palm Sunday. The triumphal entry into Jerusalem is a mockery of this. And Jesus is our true king. And instead of riding in on people's backs on a horse, he rides in on a baby donkey over the coats, the cloaks of the people that they had spread across the ground. So, it is meant to mirror that image very intentionally. It's a military conquest parade. Jesus is riding in the Savior, the King of the world, the true King, riding into Jerusalem for us. But instead of a military conquest, he has defeated the devil. He has defeated sin. He has defeated death for us. Blessings be with you.